Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome back in to the Hoist the Colors podcast, the Bucks on the Pond podcast. It is Sunday night. East Carolina baseball is 3-0. They started the season with a sweep. It is a great day to be a Pirate. ECU basketball has won three games in a row for the first time since entering the league 10 years ago. They have won seven conference games, so we'll be covering a lot of basketball this week. But we are talking baseball, as always, on Bucks on the Pond. Also, shout out to softball, 11-1. Women's tennis, I think, has won four in a row. It is a great time to be a Pirate. It's so great of a time to be a Pirate, guys, that Scott Lorbacher wants to get as close as possible to the camera. Scott, how's it going, man? Just up close and personal. You know, when you see success, you just want to get closer and closer to it. So here we are. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, we'll go around the horn in a little bit and get big takeaways. As always, we're live on YouTube. If you're watching our live stream, you can leave a comment, a question, a concern, let us know. And if you're concerned about my voice, sorry, uh, allergy season, I guess, has already started. I actually feel fine. I don't know what has happened to my voice, but it's been gone since Friday. So I'm trying to figure that out. Um, Jonathan Wagner is here. He's in the upper right-hand corner. Scott is to the bottom if you're watching our live stream, and then I'm into the upper left-hand corner. If you're if you're listening to the podcast, catch us live every night at 9 o'clock if you want to interact. But, Jonathan, you were at Friday's game, and it's good to see you there. And uh, how about those Pirates, baby? Yeah, that was a that was a real in-depth description of, you know, where we are on the screen. Yeah, I can tell Igo's really ready. He's going through all the details here. And – but, but yeah, man, it was a – baseball's back. Well, I think all of us have been waiting for it. But, man, this is my favorite time of the year. I was so antsy on Friday that I left Raleigh at, like, 11 o'clock. And I got there, ate lunch, and I was there when Gates opened. Watched BP for both teams. So, my little bit of a college baseball sicko, absolutely. But it's the best time of the year, and you couldn't have really asked for a better weekend if you received it. By the way, shout out to Parker with ECU Marketing for playing International Harvester in the first inning, and uh, got to experience that. Nothing like watching Pirate Baseball while listening to that. All right, guys, uh, we already got our first question: Who takes the mound against the Camels Tuesday night? We'll get into that. All right, big takeaways. Again, keep your comments, questions coming. We'll get into that shortly. Big takeaways. Let's go around the horn. We'll start with Scott Lorbacher. We'll go one big takeaway per person from opening weekend as ECU sweeps Ryder. Scott, what do you what do you got? Yeah, JJC. You know, six hits and twelve at bats. Five of those going for extra bases. 
you see that line drive gap to gap power. He also went, you know, long ball as well. Um, just looks like he's completely back, you know, after his, his tough time last year. Um, just really, really great to see. And obviously, you know, Parker Bird getting his first plate appearance as a pirate, it's hard not to pick that as your takeaway. I should go without saying that that was a, just a really awesome moment for um, all of Greenville and Pirate Nation. Jonathan? Yeah, I think to me what really stood out was just looking at the offense, and I think I think last year a gripe that I had is that this team gave away too many strikes, whether it's showing bunt on first pitch and then taking it away, it just take signs. But really, I thought this team had a new approach, and I thought it really paid off. And I think I saw there were three times that I noticed were 3-0 count green lights. And they weren't the mainstay lineup guys that have been regulars every day and for past years. They were to Cam Clonch, Dixon Williams, and Bristol Carter. So to me, I think I know you were facing Ryder, and their pitching is what it is. But to me, that speaks volumes about the confidence that the staff has in this lineup. And I think I, I do think you saw a new approach, and I think it really paid off. And if they keep going against the better pitching they'll face later on, this offense could be a lot better than I think people expected to be coming in. Yeah, my, my takeaway was Jacob Jenkins Cowart. So you kind of took mine, Scott, but good pick. I, so I'm going to pivot and I'll go just the overall depth and kind of playing off wags. But I, I just feel like there are, I mean, 14, 15 guys who could start as everyday players on this team. Cliff Godwin has said it and it's cliche to say, but, I, you know, I really do feel like, I mean, Cam Clonch, Bristol Carter, Chaz Myers, like some of these guys that only started a game or came off the bench this weekend. Colby Wallace, we didn't really see this weekend, but he's a guy that we've heard could play his way into one of those roles. McChrystal, of course, started on Saturday, but could start for a lot of programs in the country. So I feel like there is legitimate depth here, and we saw that. So like every time these guys are getting at bats late in games, they're trying to make them count. And, you know, I don't know how you fill, up, fill out a lineup card and, and leave Clunch or don't start Bristol Carter, but then you look around the dime and you, you kind of understand it. But there's a lot – ECU's in a good situation is how I would put it. And uh, I got to say, too, though, guys, I was pretty disappointed from Ryder. Like, I expected more. I don't know. What, what do you all think? Yeah, I definitely was. And, again, I didn't do all my homework on Ryder coming in. I don't know what they lost from last year and – I didn't go that deep into it, but I mean, that was a tournament team last year that won a game in the tournament. And I expected a, at least a little bit of a fight, but they really didn't give it to it. They weren't competitive at all. And I don't know, maybe that does speak to like we were going on and maybe ECU is that good, but also Ryder, I think they were a little bit of a letdown for opening weekend competition wise. I'd go the other way with it. Um, Ryder played pretty clean baseball the whole weekend, you know, especially defensively. And I think in, in their league, you know, they're not going to face the starting pitching that they faced against us, right? I mean, you, they didn't really have many guys, or if, if any, that threw in the in the mid-90s or even low-90s. Um, you know, they didn't really have the opportunity to string hits together. And I think it just goes to ECU's depth that our bullpen was so well-prepared um, even after our starters came out. I think you could see five or six guys on our team that would be their Friday night starter. Um, which is unfortunate for them, but probably pretty typical of a, a Mac with two A's team. Um, but they made one error on a, on a windy ball at third base. Um, they didn't make a lot of mistakes mentally or in the field or on the base pass. So 
I thought they were a good first opponent to where we still had to earn it. We still had to go string at bats together. And, you know, we, I think we're just a lot better this year than maybe we've been in the past and made a team that would normally give us fits look even worse than maybe they really were. Yeah. I mean, that, that is a fair point. The thing that ECU did was they just jumped on a rider pretty much every single game. And so I feel like they didn't even have a chance to really get into it, but I don't know. Like, I just didn't like watching it live. Like they had maybe one arm that top 89, if that. So like the, Pitching wide just wasn't much of a test. Uh, the Kyle Nary guy was a stud, though, and what you know, you said he played at uh, at Bryant, so it's only fitting that he hit a home run, right? Right, Scott. He didn't play at Bryant. He went to Bryant. He, um, to Bryant. he was he was there, uh, and, but did not participate in the athletic events. Um, he was while just he was waiting. He, much like me in high school, he uh, he was on the team, but not in the game. And hopefully, for ECU's sake, as uh, JPN points out, hopefully Ryder has a great year. I mean, because that would be uh, fantastic. Um, you know, for ECU's RPI perspective, they had a top 100 RPI last year, so that would be great if it could happen again. But uh, ECU just dominant, guys. 30-2, to two, the, uh, the final score from all three games. East Carolina on the mound struck out 37. They walked eight. Batting average against 111. ECU as a team hit 350. So, I mean, it just – you couldn't have drawn it up, I don't think, much better, Wags, as far as, like, you know, expectations going in. I think we're pretty high, but, you know, now you uh, – I don't know. Maybe they're higher. I don't, I, I'm trying to keep them in deck because it's right, but uh, it could go on much better. Yeah, for sure. And I think we've touched on it, but really in every facet of the game, I think – Hitting-wise, like I touched on earlier, the approach I thought was a lot better than what I thought it would be, especially for a first weekend. You know, you're still getting the kinks out of it a little bit, but the offense really all around from top to bottom, quality at-bats. We know quality at-bats mean a lot around here, and, boy, there were a lot of them. Pitching-wise, you're confident from Trey Savage on Friday night to the last guy out of the bullpen, Corey Costello today, Danny Beal coming in. You, you didn't need your top two guys out of the bullpen, and I think that just speaks volumes to the improved depth on the team and depth that you're able to trust early in the season. And they showed it. All right. Johnny Robertson says so many superlatives. But one thing that stood out to me in game one was that the Pirates had 12 at bats with the bases loaded and successfully scored at least one run in 10 of those opportunities. So, uh, a Nowak uh, hit and run play that worked out pretty well. Um, got guys in position to score, and we brought them in, um, which we saw far too often not happen last year. Um, so it's good to get out of the way that out of the way early uh, this year, and hopefully we can keep that going because these next four games are going to be significantly harder than the first three. All right, before we jump into the, uh, the comments section, was there any area of the game – I don't want to say concern because it's too early to be concerned, but like, I don't know, any any area that you guys want to see more of or improve for ECU going forward, just based off this extremely small sample size, we'll start with WAGs uh, from that perspective. Uh, anything that the Pirates need to clean up? Yeah, and I don't know if cleaning up is the way I would go with this, but I do, and it's a small sample size, and it's tough to say this given that the, I think the defense was pretty good all weekend. But I do think you also saw at times that 
maybe it, it, it is going to be an adjustment. At third base specifically, infield defense, I think Dixon Williams, he might not have the range that AMAC did last year. He might not have the arm. And I think that's still going to be a feeling out process as we go. And, you know, we talked about Joey Barini at shortstop, how has his range improved? I don't think we really saw a lot of opportunities to really gauge that yet. So I'm, I think infield defense as a whole is something that I'm still waiting and seeing, and I'm hoping that it improves a little bit, not that it was necessarily bad. What did you think, Scott? Sure. Uh, to, to piggyback on Wag's point, the guy he mentioned had more errors than our whole team did this weekend. Um, you know, that, that guy that left. Uh, but no, for me, and it's not really something to improve upon because it's something that you you kind of expect this early in the season. But I think the the starters went um, thirteen uh, little thirteen point two innings this weekend. You'll see that get stretched out over the year. But I thought that was really good. But obviously, we're going to want to see those guys go you know five, six, seven innings, um, probably starting in the next two or three weeks. Good thoughts. Yeah, I think uh, I would just say defense again for the most part clean, but. When you get into these one, two run games, which I think will start to happen this week, a lot of that stuff will be magnified, and I think we'll get a much better feel for uh, for those those type of things. Um, it was great to see Wilcoxon gun somebody out today. That brought back lots of memories from last year. All right, let's get into some of these comments. As always, as you guys weigh in, that'll guide the show, and we will uh, hit on many of these. So, hey, you know you know the deal. We can't have a podcast without discussing a potential midweek starter. And uh, Austin Parker wants to know who takes the mound against the Camels Tuesday night. By the way, Campbell wins two out of three over uh, UC Santa Barbara, top 25 series win. So good good for them after losing the opener big. ECU could go basically any scenario they want based on how the weekend played out outside of the obvious, you Savage Root and uh, Hunter. Scott, do you have a gut feel on who you would like to see or who you think we'll see on Tuesday? Yeah, I think there was a reason that Kaler was the first guy out of the bullpen. I think that you get him in there, get him some some reps early, uh, get those first game nerves out, and then you maximize the amount of rest that he can have before Tuesday night. Um, I'd, I'd expect to see him you know, give us I – w- I would probably max it out at three innings to start um, the year uh, on Tuesday night, but I, I think it's obviously Kaler coming out. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I think it'll be Kaler or, or Norby. You know, I haven't looked into, like, Campbell's splits, um, but that could play a factor. But I, I agree. It, it just seems to make sense. So it'll be totally somebody different, right, Wax? Yeah, I mean, I'd be very surprised if it was anybody but Kaler. So, yeah, it's definitely not going to be him now. But I think, like Scott said, I think it's going to be a three innings type of thing. And then probably someone like Ethan Norby comes in, probably two innings out of him. But, I mean, then you have Danny Beal, you have Wyatt, Lunsford-Jankman. You you have everyone. So, everyone's available after that. So, it's all hands on deck. So, it could be just one of those classic bullpen situational type games, which we've come to know and love at ECU. Yeah, and we'll see who Campbell throws. Somebody already said their Saturday starter from last year didn't throw on opening weekend. I mean, let's hope that they're not doing that again. Um, but we'll see. Uh, by the way, we'll talk to Cliff Godwin, 94-3 the game at 10 a.m. tomorrow on Monday, if you're listening to Sunday night. Um, and so we'll ask. We'll see if we have a starter by then. Chris Allen says, I'm guessing that JJC is feeling good down under. Great weekend for him. Yeah, what would you say, Scott? Six for 12? Six for 12, and, five extra base hits, and geez. two stolen bases. Two steals. 
lot of lot of talk about his steal when Parker Bird was up. Like ECU has been stealing bases with eight nine run leads for years under Cliff Goblin. This is not a new thing. It didn't happen just because Parker Bird was hitting. So people need to stop with that. Um, yeah, the extra base power guys and going backside. He is uh, he's already locked in. I mean, uh, you touched on it earlier, Scott, but Wags, how, how key do you think that is just for? you know, to have that presence right away as ECU starts this season. Yeah, and I think it goes back to what I started with. Just the approach, I think, has been so much better from top to bottom. But with J.C. specifically, I mean, if he's going like that all year long, then this team's going to go pretty deep, I think. And, I mean, it started off his first extra base hit was backside double to the left hit center gap, and he had three more doubles, I think, and a triple, and they all went pretty much the same place. And his homer today, when he did pull side, cleared the scoreboard casually, you know. So if he's locked in like that, and if he gets going like we know he can do, then like I said, it just adds more strength in the middle of this lineup. And I think it'll open up guys that are hitting behind him as well, because I think they'll start pitching around JC a little bit more, even guys in front of him, and it'll only help everyone. But JC, you couldn't have asked for a better start, and I'm hoping he's only getting started. All right, Chris Allen wants to know, is Trey Yasavage our Sunday starter? How dare he give up the two runs? Uh, what, what do y'all think? Is it time to uh, to push the big guy back? Well, they only gave up one, so we'll, we'll let it slide. <laughs> that is true. Chris, you got to check your facts, bro. <laughs> Who gave – so Norby gave up the other run. Yeah, yeah. Is Giving it Neary or Neary? Uh, I have no idea. Scooter pronounced it different on Saturday than the guy on Friday did. I have no idea. I'm going to say Scooter got it right. He usually knows the stuff. I'll trust Scooter. Scooter for play-by-play job. Full-time. <laughs> All right. If ECU makes the Omaha, is that a bigger and better story than Parker? He says Parker Boyd. I'm guessing Parker Bird. Um, I mean, why can't we just have both stories, guys? Why, why can't we ha- have Parker Bird hitting a – a walk-off in Omaha. By the way, so let's touch on the Parker Bird stuff just because, I mean, we we have to. Incredible moment Friday. And, uh, you know, I kind of like that they did it in the opener or were able to do it in the opener, you know, due to the situation. And obviously Parker kind of getting the opportunity to go out there. And obviously I'm sure there were nerves, emotion, everything, just getting that chance, the team getting that chance right away. And now I think we'll see it again down the line, if not this coming week. But incredible moment. Um, you know, it was uh, it was surreal watching unfold in person. And Wags, you were there, you know, correct? Had you had you already left that time or are you still there? Oh, no, I was there. I didn't leave until right before the game ended. So, But I think, yeah, I was sitting in the stands and, you know, talking just at the game with the people around me. It's kind of like, you know, I wonder what I wonder when that will happen, and it's when that will happen, not if that will happen. Right. And you know, I mean, Cliff said it before the season. He said he's going to get in that bat, and you know, you start to blow it open on Friday night, and you're like, "Wow, maybe this is going to happen tonight." And my seat, I love my seat because it's pretty much right in line with the third base left field line, so I can see right into the dugout. So as soon as I saw Parker Bird emerge with the helmet on, I'm like, "Oh my god, here we go." And it was just – it was surreal. It's one of the coolest moments I've ever witnessed um, in sports, not sports, anything. And just the crowd, there was not a single person 
whether it was a Ryder fan or an ECU fan that was not on their feet when he came up to the plate. It was something I'll remember forever. I think this entire program will remember forever. And if this team does go to Omaha, I think, like you said, I go, it's both stories are going to coexist and both are pretty awesome. I was glad to see it get the recognition it deserved. I mean, I was kind of worried that I knew it would go viral to an extent, but I was like, is this going to get, the recognition it deserves for the amount of work Parker has put in. And uh, obviously it blew up and I think it's just kind of the beginning, but uh, Scott, you were, you were watching on television, but I'm sure emotionally, man, still, uh, still pretty awesome to, to witness. For sure. Yeah. I actually got to see into the dugout as they came back from the break and I saw the camera panned and, and Parker turned with the helmet on and you saw bird on the back with the helmet on. And I was like, Oh, he's about to, come into the game. I think I texted you guys like immediately. Um, so I, I knew it was coming. And then JC got hit with a pitch immediately. Um, and I was like, I could not wait to hear the crowd pop of him walking up to the plate. And it, and it didn't disappoint. And it, it for sure got the recognition that it deserved from, you know, national news all the way down to MLB and, and you know, big podcasters reposting it. You know, I've had a ton of people text me or reach out that aren't necessarily even college baseball in general fans to talk about how, how great of a moment it was. And it, and it really was. And I don't think that, that going to Omaha would overshadow that in, in any way. Um, and it, in those two stories combined would, would be an even, even bigger moment for ECU, for, for Parker, for people who have started to look up to him as, as a model of resilience and determination and perseverance. And I think, he deserves all of that because I can't imagine, you know, one as a as a baseball player growing up going through something like that, um, especially at, at that talent level. And then two as a parent, you know, I, I got choked up when I saw the replay of his mom and dad in the stands because you know now that I have kids, I couldn't imagine seeing my daughter or my son go through something like that. And then fighting for 19 months to live their dream, and it's uh, I can feel my eyes sweating now, uh, uh, just thinking about it. It was just a really awesome moment, and I, you know, I'm just really proud of, of Cliff and Parker and the program to to be able to do something like that. Yeah, I, I'm the same way, Scott. Um, I, I held it together pretty good, but when I saw the replay of. Uh, of his parents, man, I was I about lost it because same way now having two kids, like it's just it's in you know whether you have kids or not, like ways you can speak this is just in you can put yourself in Parker's shoes, you can put yourself in the parents' shoes. Uh, obviously, if you have a sibling, you know if you're one of Parker's siblings, you can put yourself in their shoes. Like it's just it's you know it's hard to put to put into words what he's been through and. uh and to you know to have like his attitude about it, guys. I mean, he sat there after the game. He was like signing autographs with all the kids for like 30, 40 minutes. And you know, every time we've interviewed him or he's been asked to be interviewed, he has had such a positive attitude. So I just can't, I can't imagine um, you know it happening to to somebody who has handled it better than he has because he's uh, it's been amazing. So uh, really looking forward to seeing how the the story unfolds. And you know, he's going to get a hit. He's gonna do some awesome things. He's going to play the field at some point, I'm sure. So uh, really looking forward to following the Parker Bird story. All right. Let's uh, transition now as best as possible to 
Uh, let's see, next comment here. So Austin Parker, I, I feel like we just overlooked Jacob Starling, guys. Like, dude just goes out, has another weekend. What does he do? Uh, hits two bombs, three RBI. By the way, gets hit by three pitches on opening day. What a way to start your season. But Jacob Starlin is just a stud. And Wags, uh, I think he's going to be consistent. There's a reason at least two of us, right, picked him to lead the team in batting average. Yeah, I think so. Did you one. pick him? I think I did. I can't remember, I to be honest. Him. I wrote it down somewhere, but. So maybe all three of us. I said he would hit over 400. That's Yeah, I think we all three did. Yeah. So, do you, first off, did you like where uh, – did you like how the, the lineup kind of played out on opening weekend, by the way, with Starlin hitting where he did? I don't know. Did you, did you – would you have moved any chess pieces around? Yeah, I think – and, I mean, first of all, just with Starlin specifically, I think he had two, two home runs. I think he had a good weekend, but it was a very quiet good weekend that I think has nothing to do with Jacob Starling and everything to do with the strength of the lineup around him. And, again, that speaks volumes. But, I mean, lineup-wise, I mean, if Riley Johnson is playing, he should probably be, probably be leading off. And, personally, I like Starling in the two-hole. That's why I think I penciled him in. So, I'm glad he's there. And, you know, the three-hole, I think Will Coxon didn't have a great weekend at the plate. So, you know, what happens there? Does JC move up? and Or do they just let it ride? And Justin Will Cox, he's going he's gonna to find it. He's going to get hot. Polar opposite of what he did last, last year to open the season. But – He's, he's a bat. And, I mean, again, one through nine, there's really not one place you can go and say, man, they really, you know, maybe we need to make a change here. And it's opening weekend. But I liked how it was configured personally. I liked Barini in the nine hole and Nowak down in that seven to eight hole and Carter Cunningham five, six, Dixon following him. So I like the way it was configured. And I think there's still so many other ways you can change it around depending on who is in a lineup every day. Yeah, I liked uh... – you know, I don't know if we'll talk about him a ton on tonight's podcast, but I really like Dixon Williams' approach opening weekend. Of course, he had 375 guys, but five walks, no strikeouts. Um, pretty pretty solid. What did you think of Dixon? And did you have any other standout, Scott, outside of JC, uh, just from a hitting perspective? Yeah, I think Riley Johnson had three stolen bases with three for three. Overall, team speed was really good this entire weekend, um, which is good to see. You know, base running is really important. Uh, yeah, as far as the lineup goes, I like I like um, I like what we had. I would maybe move Wilcoxon down to five and move JJC and Cunningham up one spot each. But I mean that's super nitpicky. Um, but yeah, I mean I, just the lineup top to bottom all hit the ball. I mean to start the year off with nine straight base runners. I you know I, we talk about things we had never seen before this weekend. There was a ton of them. We had a a balk reversal. That was that was yeah. Good. What was that? Uh, nine straight guys reach the plate, or nine straight guys reach to start the season. Uh, obviously, Parker Bird. Uh, I don't know that I've seen a player hit a ball over that scoreboard very often either, um, like JC did today. So just a a great weekend of first times. All right, JPN twelve twelve says need to take three out of four this week. If we sweep all four, he feels like we can win the Natty. JPN, what if the Pirates lose to Campbell and then we win two out of three against UNC? Is that are they going to lose in a regional? Is that super regional territory again? 
Hey, four and zero though, guys. He's calling the Natty. I'd say what the Pirates could go two and two or worse this week, and they can still win the Natty because there's fifty games left. Uh, Chris Allen wants to know if the season ended today, do we host a regional? I don't know, Scott. You are RPIologist. What do you got? I don't know. Our RPI is like fifty something. Um, wow! We, we cancel the season. It would, it would be hard to uh, to host with a fifty something RPI, but we are number eleven in most of the polls, so maybe they would they would let it slide. Uh, Skull Pirate says better than Bryant. I don't know if he's talking about Ryder or just in general the result. Yeah, he did say I think on Friday's show on ninety four three the game he was like, "Don't let Bryant happen again." Yeah, thirty to two, ECU outscored Ryder. I think that the Pirates avoided that uh, blunder for sure. Uh, Dan Rosenblum says, "Why has the assault on the full pinstripes continued? Tease on Saturday with the pinstripe pants, but it's the best uni combo we have. I guess I mean, guys, at this point, right? It's just the midweek, the midweek home get, uh, uniform, correct? Such yeah, a waste. yeah." <laughs> Is it, well, I, feel, we, I feel like they randomly break it out on a random like Saturday sometimes, though. Maybe they did last year. I feel like they did, but it really feels like that home midweek when you're not wearing the powder purples. And yeah, it's, it's terrible. I love I love the pinstripes. If they wear powder purples, purples. <laughs> if they wear powder purples over pinstripes, I'm leaving. Well, Campbell will wear their all-black softball uniforms, and then we can wear our powder purples, and it can just look like a men's league game on a Tuesday night. Wasn't that basically what last year's uh, crazy game was? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, hey, if it results in that type of drama, maybe they should wear it more often. Agreed. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the pinstripes are definitely the best unis, Dan. But ECU's got you know great unis. I have to say though, I'm not a big fan of the purple. I don't know. It's just like East Carolina's kind of mashed together, and then it's like the number underneath. I don't. I like. I love the purple, like the color. I just don't love the design. I still love the gold unis, man. I think the Pirates on Sunday is sharp. I can't stand the camo hats. I know the reason behind it. It's great, but if you can give me the gold unis, white pants with the white. The white hat and the purple lid, uh, the bin, the bit. I can't even talk. The brim. I'm, uh, I'm feeling that. I don't know. What do, what do y'all think? What's y'all's favorite unis? And I mean, for me, I think, and like Chris Allen just said in the chat, the the Claire Classic, the twenty three uniforms. Yeah, those, I mean, those are the best. Those but are elite. Outside of that, you know, I love the pinstripes. Personally, I love the black jerseys, and I like those on the road with the gray pants. I like that look, but I like it with the at home with the white pants too. I, I love black jerseys just in general, so I like that one. Maybe not utilized enough. So yeah, there's so many options to pick from. Yeah, I'm a long time advocate of the pinstripes. Um, those are definitely my favorite. But I actually saw something today. It was a, a highlight, but we it was all white, so white pants, white jersey with the white hat with the purple brim. That's a really clean look too. Uh, that's great. And then obviously the the gold jerseys on Sunday, those are some of my favorite. I do agree on the purple jerseys. Those are those are not my favorite, but they're so quintessentially ECU to have like a purple uniform. It's hard to be like, well, I don't like our purples, but yeah, um, maybe we can get those reworked at some point. Uh, Skull Pirate says camo helmets on Sunday or they will never make Omaha. She's saying they need to add like the batting helmets camo. 
I think so. Great thing for Skull Pirate to donate to the program. Skull Pirate, if they wear camo helmets, I'm done. Don't they, don't they have like camo ish batting warm ups now? Wag, you saw yeah. it on Friday. Yeah, it's like that camo type, but it's purple and it's an acceptable yeah. form of camo. Yeah, that was I. I I'm not gonna lie. When I got up and I, I took a picture right behind on plate, it wasn't until I sat down in my seat that I realized I'm like, oh wait, that's us. And I didn't know what color rider was. I'm not gonna lie. And I'm like, okay, those are kind of sick. You know, that's better than what I expected out of a rider. And I'm like, oh wow, they're us. I kind of <laughs> like those. Once again, ECU baseball has fantastic gear that only they have and is not for sale for the general public. Every time Cliff Gowan puts on a new hoodie, I get at least three texts about where can I buy that hoodie? And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't think it's for sale. Well, but one Club day. 23, there you go. You want to raise more money? Steal a bunch of apparel from the baseball team and put it for sale on the site. It would, it would work. There's no doubt. By the way, the Team Boneyard uh, Subdogs Crush bottles are just sold out like hotcakes. So, uh, by the way, support that. All right, Duncan, this is a question for, I guess, both of you guys now because you all follow the polls in baseball a lot closer than I do around the country this time of year. Duncan Patrick, I feel like his name is backwards. Shouldn't it be Patrick Duncan? I don't know. Sorry, Duncan. All right, any huge movement? Duncan Patrick asks, expected in the polls this week, seems like everyone around us took care of business. Duke likely to jump us from their success down in Myrtle. What do you got, Scott? What can Pirate fans expect to be mad about come the new poll release? Well, if uh, Baylor can find a way to claw back and beat Tennessee, um, maybe we can move up one spot. Um, You know, 12 of the top 25 teams have a loss this weekend. Uh, Four had losing records. One of those is Florida at number two. They lost one game to St. John's. They're not going to move. Um, Coastal and UCSB will drop a little bit. I think Northeastern falls out of the poll. Um, one team will jump in. I could be Campbell, but I doubt it. Um, but, no, I don't think Duke will jump us. Uh, I think they had a great weekend. Um, if they stay hot and we don't, then they'll jump us. But um, I don't expect to see a ton of movement. Uh, especially for teams that that had sweeps over the weekend in the first week of the polls. And to be clear, when I say polls, I only mean the D1 baseball poll because I don't care about any of the other ones. Except for the own three projections, right? Oh, yes. Obviously those. Um, Wags, I remember when ECU got swept by Bryant, there were some polls that dropped ECU way out. I think D1 kept ECU in. It's very rare you get big movement early in the season because – you know, the 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 prognosticators believe in the teams they preseason rank. So do you expect any movement or is it going to be kind of ho-hum for the most part? Yeah, I think Scott pretty much nailed it. I do think going into today, if FAU would have beaten Vanderbilt, I think Vanderbilt could have fallen to that range that we're in now in the 11-12 maybe. And that's more of teams like ECU and Duke are going to move up. But Vanderbilt, they're one. they won today. They won the series. They're not going to drop. And I don't know. I think UCSB, I think they could fall out. It, it just depends on how high D1 baseball is on those other teams on the outside. I think Auburn's a team they're high on. Indiana, I think, is a team they liked and impressed me over this weekend. And I know they lost a the game. They went 2-1, and one, so they probably won't move up this week. But if it was up to me, I think they maybe would. But 
what's up to me and what's up to the polls makers are different conversations, but overall I think it's going to be kind of on par as to what they were going into the season minus a couple guys moving up two spots or one spot and, but nothing really outside of that. I don't think Alabama can move up though from 19, I think into that top 15 range. Give me a uh, Indiana state as the new team in the top 25 replacing Northeastern. There you go. Scott has called his shot. Stay tuned for that. David Leak wants to know, what's the general feeling on the strength of Ryder? Obviously, they lost a ton of pieces from last year, but I wasn't expecting the smackdown we saw this weekend. How much of that is just ECU being good? We touched on this earlier, but for David, who is joining us late, um, I wasn't too impressed by Ryder. Scott said he feels like a lot of it is ECU. I think it's a combination uh, Wags, I can't remember if we got your in-depth take on this. What do you think about Ryder versus how much of it was ECU? Yeah, I was pretty much with you, and I think it was that Ryder was disappointing, and I think they were really disappointing. But again, like Scott said, and you know they played clean defense, and I think really they did about all they could. I do think ECU is just in comparison to Ryder that good, and. If Ryder, even if they didn't lose some of the – if they had the exact same team they had last year, maybe this is a different weekend. But in the end, I think ECU still sweeps. So, in the end, I think it does say more. Just ECU has a good team, and they play just about as good as you possibly could have on opening weekend, and that's what it comes down to. All right, Skull Pirate is back. He says, just beat Campbell. Have to beat Campbell. Even if you lose to UNC, it's okay towards the end of the season. Skull. So you're willing to sacrifice a midweek game to get swept by UNC. I know, guys, that last year the Campbell series was painful. But Campbell was a great team last year. They might be a great team this year. Obviously, you don't want to get swept in the midweek. But I would say I would take a Campbell loss if it meant ECU winning the series versus UNC. Am I wrong on that? What do you think, Scott? I think weekends matter. And they matter more than anything else in college baseball, especially early in the season uh, and for the top 25 polls. You're going to see a lot more movement. If you went two and two this week and you lost one on Tuesday and you lost one, say, Sunday, you're likely not going to move very far in the polls. If you went two and two but you won Tuesday and then went one and two on the weekend, you're going to slide down three or four spots. That's just the way that it's always been with college baseball. Um, and it kind of proves what you're going to have come regional and super regional time when you're playing, you know, guys Friday, or Friday Saturday, and Sunday starters. What do you think, Wags? Is uh, is Skull on drugs, or is he got a point here? Yeah, he might be on something. Um, I mean, I just think we, you look at last year, and ECU struggled on midweeks, and that was probably the difference between hosting and not hosting. And they lost, so ECU was not on the right side looking in. So, you know, I think winning those midweeks can maybe give you the boost you need to get into a host, but to get into the conversation, you have to win weekends. And with ECU, the American, we'll see how it plays out. Not a good start at all. I don't think we want to depress ourselves and go down that road right now. But the American, not off to a good start. So I think RPI-wise, you got to take advantage of the ones you get. So you got to win them all. But I, I just think weekends, I would prioritize more, again, just so you can be in the conversation to begin with. 56-0 and 0 is uh... – is what the Pirates have to go, right? I mean, that's the only option. 
Uh, Skull Pirate says the midweeks keep ECU out of hosting territory. Period. Yeah, but if you lose every weekend game, th- that's gonna you're not even in the conversation. More. Yeah. So like, uh, he adds, assuming they hold their own the weekends. Well, getting swept by UNC is not holding your own the weekends. I mean, if you lose a series, that's one thing. You cannot just go flat and get swept. All right. Skull, I can't figure out if you're on drugs or not because this is actually a good point. He says, I'll never stop complaining until we have road grades. Yeah, it is absolutely unacceptable that you are a baseball team that does not have a road gray uniform. This is not ECU's fault. This is Adidas' fault. They can't match grays. They can't match a gray jersey in a gray pant, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard for a freaking apparel company. Get out. You're going to make me lose my voice again, Adidas. God. Screw you guys. I don't have anything to say. You guys agree with me. I know you do. You do um, what Ryder did and wear two different blacks. Did their they black, really do that? Their black tops and their black pants were oh. not the same color. Do we know what apparel company they used? I'm going to go with um, Reebok. Champion. Champion. Somebody let us know what company Ryder is associated with. All right. Let's see where I was here. Uh, William Alexander says, the fact we dominated so badly this weekend, we get to talk about jerseys. It is fantastic. Pirate Nation showing out this weekend. By the way, guys, would you all believe that this was the third highest? Let me make sure I get this right. The third highest weekend series attendance in Clark LeClaire Stadium history for like a series. So for any three-game series, this was the third highest series. Total, which is pretty crazy considering it's Ryder and considering it was pretty not so great weather. But uh, it it was a great crowd really every day. Today was not great, but you had the basketball going on. You still had 4,100. So I uh, I was uh, I was impressed. What did you think of the crowd on Friday, Wax? Yeah, I think not only was it a good crowd and it was pretty filled in, especially out in the jungle on both sides, I thought. Students showed out too, which was really nice to see. But – not only was the crowd there, but, I mean, they were engaged. They were into the game. And, obviously, we heard it when, you know, Parker Bird came to the plate. But it was like that throughout. I mean, just in terms of you got the crowd pops and stuff happened. And you, the crowd made a difference. And they always do. But I think it did feel a little more so this weekend. And the weather was really nice on Friday. I'll say that. I know it was a little colder Saturday, Sunday. And I wasn't out there for those games. But Friday, the weather was nice. It was approaching high 50s. Maybe it hit 60. But it was right around there. A little bit of wind as the sun went down. But man, you talked about opening weather weekend. Uh, we'll, I think we'll take this pretty much nine times out of ten. Absolutely. All right. JPN twelve twelve says, "What were the two series that had higher attendance?" I don't know. JPN, I'll try to find out and I will report back. Um, apparently, Ryder is Adidas, and Ryder had gray uniforms today. So I'm calling BS on something. Who are, we bl- who are we blaming this on? Are we blaming Adidas? Or are we blaming ECU for not ordering gray uniforms? But did they I'm, match? Or did anyone notice if they did? I didn't notice. I was there today. I, I didn't pay that close attention to it because, honestly, I was too busy enamored by the gold perfection of ECU's uniforms. Good point. Which is Adidas. Great job, Adidas. You actually can do something positive. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just confused now. 
I'm Why do we have gray road uniforms? Is it's just one to know. Somebody tell me. I think maybe maybe Cliff sweats too much. He doesn't want be it. he doesn't want the gray the gray pants. I've been there. It's okay. Uh, Skull Pirate says Cliff hates gray. They actually had gray unis back in, uh, gosh, what was it, twenty, whatever year they played on the road at Virginia. They had gray matching uniforms because I have pictures of it. I just want to say I'm, I'm going through riders. Um, at least their Barnes and Noble, their team or not their team, but their university store right now, and it looks like there's a lot of champion stuff. So, I don't know. But yeah, right. I agree. Give us grays. The two worst things in baseball is are not having gray uniforms and turf fields. Turf fields. Speaking of turf fields, somebody said earlier that I hope we come out of the Campbell Health. Wait. Oh, he's saying healthy. I hope we come out of the Campbell game healthy. I guess you guys got after it today with the drinking. Um, I hope we come out of the Campbell game healthy playing on their tire rubber field. I agree. I mean, Joanier's been hurt there. Spencer Brickhouse has been hurt there. I'm sure I'm leaving somebody out. But there was like a span of like three years in a row where ECU had a player hurt there, Scott. So get the win and get the hell out. There in Houston. Houston was our other like kind of yeah. scary place to play. Um, I believe that is a question from one Dr. Hoops, who was at ECU at the same time that I was, played some intramural basketball together. So, yeah, let's just get out of there healthy, get a win, get out of there quick. Uh, the attendance, according to Chris Allen, says the attendance stats prove we are a baseball school. All money in our athletic department should be given to baseball. Let's make the first baseball school. Build a 20K stadium. Win all titles. <laughs> as much as I would love to see that happen. I'm a baseball guy. I mean, you could make a 20K stadium, but today the attendance was 4,100. And it, what are you probably going to get like five to six thousand most days? So let's just win in football, basketball, and baseball. How about that? Like today, let's just win. Pirates are basketball and baseball school. Yeah, just win, baby. Just Shout win. Out RJ Felton, a thousand points. A thousand points. That's a hell of an achievement, especially for ECU basketball. So congrats to RJ. Uh, Chris says, I'm obviously kidding, but let's be real. The only school we can win a title is baseball. I agree with that. And the Pirates will win a title this year. Um, all right, let's see a conference title. Let's see here. Any other questions I missed going back through? Because we've had we had a, quite the discussion on random stuff. Um, while I look through these comments – Wags, I'll pitch it to you from a pitching perspective. We haven't really talked too much about the pitching, so let's hit on that. I thought Jake Hunter looked today, uh, looked great today, man. His off speed was much improved. Splitter cutter was getting multiple swings and misses. You savage a root. I mean, they did their job. I, I think, I think this pitching staff has a chance to be pretty good, and we're. I think we just really scratched the surface this weekend from what we saw. Yeah, absolutely. I think. You know, Trey came in, and I think Cliff said it after the game, both about Trey and Zach, and I think neither of them were maybe at their best, but they were still really effective. And just the amount of strikeouts, and we saw what Zach Root can do. His velocity was up in the 95 range, and so that's a little bit of a take up from last year. And then Jay Connor comes out today and probably has the best start of the weekend. He goes the deepest out of all those three guys. And I think 
after he got through those, I think, two walks in the first inning um, today, he was pretty much cruised through it. Didn't give up a, a hit until his fifth inning, I think. So Jay Connor impressed. And we talked about Chris Kale earlier. He looked really good. And I do think something I noticed out of this pitching staff is they're not waiting around. They're not wasting time. And I, with Kaler and Norby, when, when I was there on Friday, I noticed neither of them had the ball in their hands still. When the pitch clock got to like 16 seconds, it's four seconds and the ball is out of their hand. And I think that, first of all, that's kind of crazy. But the fact that they were able to move that fast and still be as effective as they were just speaks volumes. I think Austin Knight's done a hell of a job with this team. And I think we're only seeing the surface because Jackson DiLorenzo, he got some movement. Corey Costello came in and pitched well today, I thought. Eric Ritchie did well. And, again, like I said earlier, you didn't need Wyatt Luntrachinkman. You didn't need Danny Beal outside of the limited stuff they saw today. And you were still in pretty good shape coming out of it. And, obviously, the competition will get a little tougher. But if this is the start and they keep going on this range, then this pitching staff could be the best we've ever seen maybe. Uh, JP in twelve twelve says if Hunter can cut down on the free passes, he was a little erratic in the first, but I feel I think that you know Jake Hunter has always been a strike thrower. I'm not too worried about that. Fastball command wasn't there early, and once he settled in, I, I think he'll be fine. So I I honestly to go five and get one hit and struggle in the first, I was very encouraged by that. What did you make of the pitching, Scott? Anything else stand out this weekend? Yeah, I thought our starters were great, and I don't think any of them had their their absolute best stuff you know as far as hunter goes you can walk guys if you're not giving up hits um you can't do both you can't go up hits and walks that's how you get in trouble but um i think savage has a ton of space in between what his best was and what he showed on friday night um you know i thought root looked good but i think he has much more in the tank than what he showed and jake hunter as a as a sunday guy that's going to come in get guys out and give you some length. Um, you know, he pitched the longest out of anybody this weekend. Um, and those guys gave up a, a 111 batting average. You know, I think they had five hits all weekend. So, you know, just a great job. 21 strikeouts, only six walks from the starters. You know, if starting pitching can carry this team, then it's it frees up so much for those midweeks to where if you do go, you know, two innings, a guy, you have – those guys are available and they're not gas from Saturday and Sunday. All right. Uh, Ron Williford says, where's the people who wanted Austin Knight fired? Look, I mean, if anybody wanted Austin Knight fired, I mean, ECU had one of the best strikeout to walk ratios in college baseball last year. In his first year as pitching coach, they started slow, finished strong without a starting pitcher. So, um, yeah, I mean, Austin Knight, is clearly a very good pitching coach. All right. Skull Pirate says, ECU will never be a basketball school. we got to stop that. Skull, why don't you go cheer for UNC, Duke, whatever lame-ass school you cheer for, <laughs> and uh, enjoy that. Um, leave the ECU basketball discussion to us. Wags is a giant ECU basketball fan, so I don't want to hear it. Uh, Johnny Robertson says, Coach Godwin and Justin Hare are the only two coaches in the nation that have won either a regular season or conference tournament title in each of the last five full seasons. Yeah, I mean, Campbell's a great program. ECU is a great program. I'm glad they play the series. I always look forward to the schedule coming out, guys. (laughs) There's always that Tuesday game at Campbell, the first red game of the year. And uh, Pirates 0-1, man. I mean – Last year sucked. 
let's be honest, if you're an ECU fan, so ECU wants to put it on Campbell Tuesday. Do we think the Pirates do it? Let's go early prediction. Wags, do the Pirates get some revenge on the Camels? Yes, I think they do. And I, I just don't see how – with. and I know Campbell had a good weekend too, but, I mean, they lost 20-8 to eight on Friday. So they didn't start exactly off how they wanted to. But ECU, I mean, they came out, they didn't let up. And, again, I just think it comes down to what we've preached on this entire show tonight is ECU's offensive approach was so good and so improved, I think, from last year. And the pitching was obviously really good, too. And you're fresh going into it. ECU can pitch whoever they want to outside of the three that started this weekend. Everyone's on the table. And I'm sure if you're in the position where you need them, everyone will pitch. And I'm going to say ECU comes with a pretty convincing win over Campbell. I'm that confident going into it. Scott, you'll be making the trip. Uh, How many adult beverages will you consume and will you try and get into the Campbell's players' heads? Are you, are you one of those fans who just kind of sits back and relaxes, or do you try and, like, chirp at the other team? Well, I have uh, not been drinking during the week this year, so uh, we'll see how that goes on Tuesday. That's going to change. Uh, it may change. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I'm probably just going to be a sit-back-and-observe type guy. In my younger days, I was a, a holler-at-the-team guy. Now I'm more of a – this is a moment of peace um, with a five-year-old and a 15-month-old at home. Um, you don't get a lot of quiet time. So I will take some some peaceful quiet because I believe I'm going to the game solo. So um, if you're there, say hi. Uh, but I do think we win. Um, I do think this is a team that will score some runs. I don't think Campbell has the pitching depth that they had last year. You know, in a ton of respect to Campbell, by the way. I mean, they've turned out just – not just good college baseball players. I mean, you got guys like Zach Neto and Cedric Mullins that are stars in, in the major leagues now. I mean, they're having careers that, you know, at ECU we haven't seen a ton of guys do that, especially as position players. So, um, you know, give them a lot of credit. They're in a new league this year that's going to be a little bit tougher. They started the year off against a really tough team, but I think we have we – have a better lineup this year to, to help lead the way. We won't we won't be in these two one game uh, type games again. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think it'll be a tightly contested game uh, just due to how good Campbell is. I do think ECU is going to be extra prepared, extra focused. Lineup will be better top to bottom, and the pitching I think sets up well after the way opening weekend played out. So ECU can throw its best arms. I don't have the Campbell scatter report on what arms they did or didn't use, um, but I think the Pirates get some revenge. Uh, Ron Willifer wants to know, why do we never play Campbell in a weekend series? I, I guess just because it's more of a drivable game, easy midweek game. It would be a great weekend series for sure, um, so maybe one day. And uh, Skull Pirate says he'll meet you there, Scott. Apparently he's going to the game. He also asked me how many times have I stormed the court at an ECU basketball game. I have you beat. Skull, I've uh, lived in Greenville since 1992. I went to all the Conference USA games. I saw them upset Marquette twice, Louisville, uh, Memphis, you name it. I was there when they beat NC State. So if you want to go down that path, buddy, we'll go down that path. Keep cheering for Duke and UNC. 
Um, did you storm the court against UTEP in 2007? I did. I did. Uh, <laughs> I was at that game. I, I did not. Did. So he's got Court, you there. Courtney Captain, baby. <laughs> Courtney Captain Senior Night. Um, that was a great, great moment for an absolutely abysmal team. Y'all really stormed the court for that one? We, we All 20 of us in the student section were on the court after that. <laughs> hey, y'all deserved it after that season. Um, So here's a good question. I don't know if we have time to answer this unless we just want to give a quick version. Uh, Chris Allen says tomorrow is President's Day. Who would be on the ECU baseball Mount Rushmore? I mean, wow. we we don't we'd all have to do our eras. Um, do we want to do this quickly, or should we save this for next week's show? What do y'all I like think? It. I like it on the fly. No research, just yeah. guys you know. All right, who wants to start it? I'll start. Go for it. So it's four, right? Four is your mountain. Yeah, yeah, four. I think obviously it's Leclerc's one. Uh, for me, I'd have Kyle Roller on there. Uh, he's my favorite player, so he would be on there. Um, I think you have to put honestly at this point Cliff on there. It's a player and a coach. I don't think anybody is is touching his resume. And uh, give me Alec Burleson. Good picks. Good picks. Um, Wags, you want me to go or do you want to go? No, I'll go. I mean, I think I agree. I'm going to go Leclerc and Cliff. I think they have to be on there. And I was going to have Burley on there too. I was going to have someone like Gavin on there, even though he didn't maybe do it for as long. But he's so good and he's making such an impact at the MOB level that I think you kind of have to. But, and again, I'm a little younger. I haven't been around the program quite as long. But I'm a little recency bias. But I think that would maybe be my four. But Man, I love those energy guys like a Zach Agnos and those kind of guys too. So there's plenty of options. Yeah, I mean, you you obviously got to have Leclerc and Cliff um, for obvious reasons. I'm going to go player only though, so I'm going to exclude those guys. But obviously, if I was making a true one, they would be up there. Uh, Chad Tracy, player, like I just remember as a kid, he was just a stud. I mean, that whole 0-9 team. Um, but Kyle Roller, man, like I just remember just walking the concourses, watching him drop bombs. I don't know what his official stats were, but they were a lot of home runs. Chad Tracy, Kyle Roller, Alec Burleson, two-way guy, absolute beast. And then I am torn between Bryant Packard, Connor Norby, Gavin Williams, because they're all so good. I mean, Jake Agnos is up there, too. Zach Agnos is up there, too. Evan Krasinski. Krasinski. Travis Watkins. I mean, the epic hit, the walk-off at Virginia. Two homers at Texas Tech. Um, Corey Kemp. (laughs) Corey (laughs) Kemp was also a stud. Brady Lowe's Uh, mullet. I guess I'll go. Uh, I'm gonna go Watkins. I mean, he single-handedly, not single-handedly, but he hit the wall golf at Virginia, and then he beat Texas Tech with the two home runs. So I'm gonna go Watkins. And uh, you know, it's hard to leave off like a Seth Manus though. Like, how did none of us pick Seth Manus? So I mean, there, there's too many to name, guys. That's a Pinecrest guy. I'm offended with myself. Yeah. 
I was shocked that Wags wasn't just four Pinecrest guys. <laughs> Death Canal, Colby Wallace, Seth Manus. <laughs> Ryder Giles. Ryder Giles, yeah. Um, so, yeah, by the way, cheap plug, but I'll have Connor Norby on my show. I already recorded the interview, uh, 94 through the game. That'll probably air Tuesday. We got uh, Cam Clanch in studio tomorrow. We'll also talk to Cliff Goblin. So, uh, all right, guys, we we did the – we did that. Good stuff on the fly. We'll come up with a more official one at some point in the offseason. Uh, David Leak, by the way, he asked this question. Wags, touch on this before we get out of here because you've, you've, you've hit on this a lot. Felt like the hitting approach was a lot more loose in the series. Maybe I'll hit on this earlier, but do you think the new coaches have helped the players feel more free in the box? Yeah, and I, I, I think it's important to note that we're not in there for the day-to-day. We don't know necessarily what's different in terms of, you know, what's Cliff telling them to do, what's Cliff instructing them to do, and how much freedom the new guys have. Brian Packard, I think, is someone who's very valuable as a younger guy to come in who had so much success here. So I think that's it only helps. Him and Henry Lartigue, both great. But I did notice it seemed a little bit more aggressive. I do agree, more free. And I mentioned it, I think the first thing I said on this podcast was I'm, I noticed three different green lights on three no counts today. And it wasn't from those lineup mainstays like the Wilcox and Starling, Jenkins Cower. It was Bristol Carter, Dixon Williams, and Cam Clutch. So I just think there is a little more freedom with this team. I think it speaks to the confidence, and I think it's a little bit different, and I think it'll only help, and I think it'll continue to get better as you do face better pitching too. And we're still going to see sack bunts. We saw McChrystal. We saw Nowak. Are those the only two sacks of the weekend, or am I missing some? Off the top of my head, I think so. I've got it. Yeah, two sack. Yeah, two sack hits, Nowak and McChrystal, according to the official stats. Uh, I think Riley bunt. Johnson showed bunt a couple times before the bat. That is true. Fake bunt fan club. Fake bunt fan club. Swashbuckling shirts, right? That is. That's right. Check it out. Etsy order. I, there were two people in the press box who told me they enjoyed that shirt, Scott. So yeah, there you go. Order one. It spreads. <laughs> All right. We're going to get out of here. Uh, it's been an hour. It's been a day. It's been a day. Um, ECU basketball, shout out again. Skull Pirate, how about you go to a damn game? <laughs> and uh, William Alexander, by the way, says his Mount Rushmore, Keith LeClaire, Cliff Gobb, and Chad Tracy, Adam Witter. That's a good four as well. Um, and then Dan says he would include Lawhorn and Seth Manus. I'm guessing he means Daryl Lawhorn uh, instead of Trevor. Or maybe he wants to go Lawhorn Brothers. All right, we're going to have to get out of here. Actually, you know what? We got to make our weekly prediction. We I wasn't going to let us go away without doing yeah. that. So that's my that's my fault, guys. E me. Uh, all right, week prediction. Wags, you started off. You're ready to go. All right, like I said, I think convincing win against win against Campbell, and I I think the Carolina series is going to be one. Carolina they struggled on defense. They struggled on pitching. They can hit. They can hit the crap out of the ball. So I think they're going to steal one game. But I think ECU will go three and one. And my bold prediction of the week will be um, – I'm making this on the fly. But uh, Bristol Carter will hit his first career home run. Yeah, um, I'll go three and one. I think we win at Campbell. Uh, we'll have a comeback win on Friday night because I can only go to the, the front half of the game. Uh, we'll lose on Saturday because I'll be there for the whole game. And then we'll win on Sunday. Uh, my bold prediction is that the North Carolina State Wolfpack will lose their series 
at Hawaii. They're going on a, on a long flight, and uh, we'll see them drop significantly in the top 25. They'll continue to play bad defense, uh, and, yeah, they'll lose the Rainbow Warriors. I loved every second of that. <laughs> I didn't even know that Hawaii had a baseball team. Played Ole Miss this weekend. Mm-hmm. They get swept? Uh, I think they still won. Okay. I, th- I think they played two yesterday. I think they played four, yeah. I think they have like a really good coach, a good yeah. or like a famous coach that has okay. MLB experience. Um, I'm going to go three and one as well. Win at Campbell, win at Chapel Hill, lose Fayetteville, win in Greenville to win the series and cap a good week. Are we going bowl predictions around the horn? We're just going to throw that out. I know I am. Um, I'm going to go Zach Root seven innings. One run or less on Saturday. So then we lose. Yes, yeah. it's gonna. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, good call. Yeah, you know I'm still going with it. I think it's gonna be a low scoring game. Um, <laughs> did we all just go three and one? So you're welcome when we sweep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Skull Pirate says it's gonna make me wait seven more days for this podcast. Skull, we will be back next Sunday. I think the week after that, Wags and I have a fantasy draft. We may have to move the podcast to Monday. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So we, otherwise, it would be absolute chaos. Um, Last check us out. fantasy draft and podcast. Yeah, that would be. Yeah. All too my much. picks will be done by the time we get on the air. <laughs> uh, Skull, if you need something to pass you by, check out ninety four three The Game daily. We got plenty of baseball talk there, and we get you know we'll talk like two minutes of UNC basketball for you. So, all right. We're going to get out of here. This has been a fun show. Hopefully next week my uh, my voice is better. But appreciate you guys as always. We'll see you next Sunday night. This has been the Hoist the Colors podcast, Bucks on the Pond. We'll talk to you next week. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.